Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a writer comedian television producer and podcast host who's written for workaholics the grinder and making history and most recently robbie and united we fall along with hosting two of my favorite podcasts the flagrant ones and hollywood handbook the mass singer episode of which is one of the most joyous things i've ever heard please welcome sean clements welcome hey brandon thanks for having me absolutely thank you for taking the time i really do appreciate it no problem the uh so, sorry, I, I'm going to cut you off already. Did you sure. mean the Masked Engineer episode? Did I say singer? Yes, You I said did. the Masked Singer, which we did a Masked Guest and yes. a Masked sing- masked Engineer, but most people, you know, the Masked Engineer was really the, the preferred one, I think, for most everyone. No, I misread it. You're 100% right. Yes, the Masked Engineer episode. Just which... to steer everyone to the right place so they can have the same yes. joy that you did. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to it in real time when it debuted... It was like a magic trick listening to that, to see it unfold in, well, relative real-time listening. It's just magic. It's such an amazing episode. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was genuinely really, really fun to do. I imagine you just as a guest having Sean Diston there only could help that because he's just so naturally joyous and seems like such a delight as it is. Just a fun, positive guy to be around, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He seems so nice. Yeah, um, he rules. But to, uh, I guess, the, the opening salvo, as it were, the easy to ask, difficult to answer question, but how are you? Okay, thanks. Um, I'm fine. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I don't even know how to answer that question myself, so I, I got to figure out a different way to get this thing going every time, but yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, doing okay, you know, so I'm I'm in Boston right now, um, and I came out here. For work, I'm. Uh, it's a show that I wrote for that I'm one of the onset producers for, and it's, you know, it's just one of these like mixed bag things where I'm super grateful to be working, and I like the people uh, that I'm working with, and I think the show could be good. I think it could be really cool, uh, but I really miss my family, <laughs> and because yeah. of COVID, and normally when I when I took the job initially, and I knew that production would take place in Boston. It was like, well, I'll be here for three weeks and then I'll fly home and do like a four day weekend or something or be able to go back and forth or switch off with another writer. And then due to all the COVID restriction and everything, it wouldn't be safe for the show. It wouldn't be safe for my family, for me to be like just flying back and forth all the time. And so I kind of have to do like a longer stint out here. So it's like, you know, I, I, I hate to complain. I, I do genuinely feel like really lucky and grateful that I have a job and it's a job that I like, but uh, I am I am anxious to get home and see my wife and my son. Uh, fair enough. I know you mean that like, yeah, I could have it so much worse than anyone else. But at the same time, that also is uh, it's very bittersweet, I would imagine, you know, because you want to get back and see them and this didn't work out. Not that anybody could plan it. I would love to have them visit me too, you know, like it would be great. I grew up not super far from here and like whatever, you know, uh, they could fly out and we'd go visit my parents or something like there, a lot of stuff that would be cool to do. Um, Certainly not the worst of the consequences of what's happening with this uh, global pandemic that has been going on for a year plus, (laughs) Um, but it's, uh, but it's a somewhat of a bummer. 
No, I can't imagine. So is it that you're, you know, I guess during the weekdays going to set and coming back and basically just staying in your hotel room and ordering food and watching stuff? Uh, yeah, we live in these, you know, um, little apartments and it's just like, you know, production hours are, they're actually not as bad as usual because, because of the COVID protocols. But I, uh, I get up somewhat early and you go to work and you're on set or you're doing rewrites in your office or whatever, and then, uh, go home and I'm just kind of, it's a very weirdly solitary life (laughs) then, um, I FaceTime with home for a little bit and watch TV show, go to sleep. So the, when I was here, so we did the production in two halves. So we filmed the first four episodes in the fall and it was kind of nice just because it's new England in the fall. And I did a ton of like going hiking and, um, got really good at skipping stones <laughs> and like <laughs> sort of outdoorsy naturey stuff that I really liked. And that, that was the weekends and that. Um, and sometimes, you know, if we had half days or something and, so there was a lot that I was able to enjoy and appreciate about being here, even though I missed home. Uh, but now it's just cold. It's 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 snowing yeah. and it's cold, and uh, I don't even get to take advantage of those aspects of it. So yeah, fair enough. And and like you, like we were talking about before, at least with autumn too, you can for once experience another season yeah. as opposed to to that, and you can enjoy it and get out some and not feel as kind of confined as you do right now. Yeah, I love, I mean, that's a, you know, one of the things I miss about the East Coast is like autumn in New England kicks ass. And so I was like, oh, great. That's, that's really nice. But it's like, you know, I think wintertime kind of makes you feel like you're all huddled up and like solitary anyway. (laughs) Like you're just like kind of, uh, yeah, just, just bundled up. And so I, um. I do feel like it's a it's a sort of weird existence. And even when you're at work, we wear these trackers. We wear these like COVID trackers around our neck. So oh, if wow. anyone comes up positive, they're able to do contact tracing and say, okay, you were within six feet of this person for more than 15 minutes last week and that person has come up positive. And so we need to, there's these sort of dominoes that fall. So you're super aware of not being close to people and again that we didn't have that the first time so people were careful but it wasn't uncommon to be a video village and probably be sitting more like four feet apart from someone and and talking to them more casually and had it feel a little bit more everyone masks and goggles and everything else but it felt a little bit more like regular life and now this half the numbers got even worse and and so it makes sense that they are doing this, but even when you're there and you're around people, you still feel mostly alone or like, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't be too close to anyone. I shouldn't be staying next to them unless I'm actively like saying something productive about the show or, uh, you know, doing my job. So it's been, uh, it's, it's been a little bit worse, a little more challenging. That makes sense. It also sounds, yeah, it's like a more official and regimented, but also you're like, okay, do I do I really need to talk to this person because of all the potential ramifications of simply doing that, I guess? Yeah, no, you just don't want to like hang because it's like if you're whatever, if, if one person came back positive and then you were near them and then you were near someone else, then all yeah. of a yeah. sudden they it shuts the whole show down, which I'm not like 
valuable enough to be responsible for shutting a show down. Like I, people would be really, people would be really mad at me. Um, uh, so uh, that's in the back of my head always of like, I cannot be the reason that this thing um, uh, hits a stop. Fair. I think that's also, I feel like I live a certain percentage of my life just making sure people aren't mad at me in general. Yeah. Let, al- let alone related to a production with so many people being you know, responsible for that, but also working within that. Yeah, I would be so self-conscious of that. Yes. Yeah, it's an, it would be a nightmare. So I did want to ask you, this is something we have. We have a mutual love, actually. Go ahead. Not the movie love, actually, but we have a mutual love that some describe as the fifth official sport and others describe it as MTV's The Challenge. Oh, yeah. More proper name. It is my all-time favorite show. I've watched every episode from the beginning. It's mine as well. I think it's the I think it's the most entertainment value I've I've gotten out of anything really that has existed or certainly television show wise. Like same. I've spent so much time with my friends and I've had so many thrills and chills. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I and I still can count on it. I still get really excited whenever there's a new one. I do too. It's like to the point where I have a group of friends and we have a group text that is pretty much only for that. So when we get news of a new season or any kind of like intel, it'll suddenly just start blowing up. And we get so much joy out of it. I really do think it's like the most perfected formula for reality TV or reality competition TV. And it's just gotten so good. I, I just love it so much. It makes me so happy. They're awesome. Yeah, the yeah, TJ's a great host. They've done a good job finally of like getting some new blood in there. I feel like the past few seasons, um, some of the new cast members have made an impact because they were retreading the same people who I loved for a long time. But yeah. um, I think when they open it up to other shows being like a feeder system and especially like uh, like European reality shows and stuff, and they started bringing in people from all those kind of outside sources, I think that they got a better, more interesting mix of cast. Now, do you watch Survivor? You know, I've been thinking about going back to that because I feel like I watched the first, I almost said 15 seasons, but I feel like that's maybe not even as many as I watched. But I think it's such a good show. I know that you... You've been rewatch or you've been watching it lately. Is it worth going back? Actually? Yeah, so I've uh, I've been going back through it. So I probably watched I watched the first couple seasons. I fell off. Then I think maybe right shortly before Hayes and I uh, were doing the reality show show. Yeah, uh, I I started watching it again, and so I watched a chunk of seasons. So I maybe saw like three or four of them, and then I saw like seasons. 22 through 28 or 23 through 28 something like that and then i i fell off again and i don't think uncommonly i've been finding more shows to like binge uh as i've been more housebound and especially just being here by myself with a lot of hours to burn you know i get up i get up around 6 six thirty, and i get home around the same time and then you know and then i have a few hours before i go to bed and i i tend to just kind of get home and turn on whatever the season of survivor i'm watching and, and <laughs> yeah. go through a few of them as i like make dinner and everything at night and man i've gotten through i've gotten through four or five seasons now since being here and it, it's great uh, not, you know, different from the challenge, obviously, um, sure. 
but a lot of similarities too. And the uh, I've pretty clearly the shows have borrowed from each other in in different ways. Well, and now they have Survivor people on the challenge this season. Yes, and the a couple of them. and the Survivor. Um, it's a well-designed game, and uh, and they've had some really fun, interesting personalities, and there have been some great seasons. I, I think it would be worth getting back in. I found okay. a couple lists, you know, spoiler-free lists of the top seasons and stuff, and I kind of went through some of those first. And uh, and I, I think it's worth doing um, if you, you know, if you love the challenge and you find that you don't have enough stuff to fill your days <laughs> um uh, that's fair it's pretty good you know at near the beginning of all of this which is wild to say now nearly a year ago but i was like you did like a 30-day subscription maybe through amazon or maybe it was like 10 days of like the mtv channel and they have a lot of the old seasons of the challenge okay. so i found myself watching those and it was kind of wild you know as you watch them just in real time season to season in general but i didn't realize how man how wildly informal that show was and like, oh, yeah, they were all getting hammered because they could because it was just people rolling out of bed to do a really rudimentary challenge now compared with how complicated they are. Oh, yeah, and, it was and wild it was a back sport. in the day. It's just a sport. Now it's now the production value of some of these challenges where they're like swinging off of a moving truck to do all <laughs> the, It's like it's really crazy uh, when you when you look back and it was like you're gonna play tug of war on the beach or like you know <laughs> yeah. um, it it really used to feel like they just were kind of finding stuff around them and being like let's make a game out of this <laughs> yeah like be, be the first to grab this stick like yeah, I think that I actually might have literally been one of those things totally totally yeah <laughs> or there was one I feel there was one where they were like on a carousel or something it's like did you <laughs> they just like noticed a carousel we're like you gotta climb from one horse to the other uh, it's like this can't be yeah like they're always all but playing like floor is lava basically without yes that stuff. Uh, it's like, really so rudimentary a lot of that stuff um yeah it was uh it was pretty simple back then but I watched, I watched through a bunch of them. Like I, I that was another show that I had watched several when they were on when I was younger, and then I got back into it. I think while I was living in New York, and then when I moved to LA, I filled in a, a blind spot of like the you know seven or eight seasons I had missed in the middle, and watched through all of them when I first uh, was just living there by myself, and and again had a lot of kind of time by myself to burn and it was a pretty thrilling experience it's not boring it's very like impeccably produced they know exactly what they're doing they know what to do to build intrigue and kind of they've really kind of mastered the combination of people to bring in of personality types yeah conflicts it's pretty like it's a perfect formula are you finding too like i was surprised as i've been re-watching survivor one of the seasons that was recommended as like one of the best seasons I went to watch and realized, oh, this is one of the ones I've already seen. So whatever, there's 40 seasons of the show. I'd only seen 10 of them. And here I am rewatching one I'd already seen. But I was kind of blown away at the rewatchability of it. Oh, even yeah. though I probably only watched it for the first time five years ago. And I knew who won. And I remembered some of the twists, but... It still was really enjoyable. You think sometimes with those reality competition shows that once you know the winner or you know what the big twist was that 
there, you know, wouldn't be that fun to revisit, but that's not what I'm finding. No, not at all. And I found myself like almost riveted at times, even knowing the outcome, like I, something about it just- it, I know, it, isn't it, that crazy? Like I, I, I feel the same way when I'm watching and I go, I know this person wins, and I'm so scared they're going to get eliminated right now. I'm so <laughs> yeah. scared they're going to get voted out because it seems like people are aware that they should vote them out and every and the you know the stars have aligned that they have an opportunity to do it and I'm like, "Oh, they're going home." But it's like I know they're not, but I have the tension. Well, and, and then what's funny is, too, that when watching this current season as it's happening, and granted, you know, it's the fact that I'm riveted by a rewatch, let alone watching something for the first time, that when there's a challenge or like a, a battle at the end happening, there are times when I was like genuinely so nervous, I paused it because I'm like, okay, how's this going to go? Just like, okay. And it's a, it's like, a sh- it's just a reality show, but I am so into it. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, the, and the current season has, has been good. But yeah, I I have some of those same feelings where it's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can watch a horror movie you've already seen and still get creeped out. But it's a credit to like the production and the editing of these things that they they do create the feelings that that you want. Oh, absolutely. One person who's on the show who is my favorite person uh, or competitor, CT, he is a you know, I had the thought the other day watching an episode and just seeing his general physicality and like deceptive athleticism. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, he's just like a genuinely great athlete. He is. He is. And he was one of the only like really, uh, you know, <laughs> he would get sent home in the early seasons just because he would always end up punching someone because he was <laughs> yeah. out of control. But he was a very dominant athlete. Uh, and in some of the earlier seasons, they really didn't have anyone to compete with him. Like it was, it was pretty wild how dominant he was. Now they've got, you know, some more people like that, but man, he's, he's really, really, uh, impressive. Yeah. I found myself going down a weird rabbit hole of like, was he an athlete? And then I looked it up and he played college basketball, which I don't know when you watch him on that show, he just seems so larger than life. And then you see a photo of him as a six foot one point guard, I guess. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I thought he was like. He looks, I thought he, he was 6'5". Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was a giant. Gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was I going to say about it? Oh, do you know that um, I met Leroy? Oh, that's Okay, yes. <laughs> okay. I, like, he was a great hang, right? He was, yeah. He was He was really nice and cool. The, the story super quickly is uh, I worked... Uh, when I was writing for this show, Alan Gregory, on our lunch breaks, we were watching the challenge or we were watching the real world, I guess, at that time on one of the computers and most of the writing staff would watch it. And then my friend Guy really loved Leroy and thought he was like the best. And he's like, God, I'd love to just be friends with him. I just think he seems so (laughs) cool. And so for his bachelor party, like a year later, I reached out to Leroy, I think he had his email, like contact email on his Twitter page or something. And I was like, would you come and stop by my friend's bachelor party if we, you know, put some money together and got you a room? And he was like, yeah, I will. <laughs> and and so uh, the thing that kind of knocked me out about it was he, you know, I, I get why he would do it. It's like you get a trip to Vegas or whatever. That was actually where his season took place. And he came in and I messaged him like right before the hang was going to go down. And I said, okay, so we're, we're there on Saturday. 
we're going to go bowling at this place and then we're all going to a big dinner at this other place and then like everyone's going to this this club so where would you like to do the appearance like when do you want to like which leg of it do you want to stop by for and he was like i'm gonna do all three homie we're hanging out (laughs) it's like (laughs) oh this dude's doing the whole fucking day with us (laughs) and he did and he was great like it was really fun that is nice to to have that experience after he seems so personable and nice on the show. Yeah. But it's an experience that it's like, oh, thank God. This Can is you imagine going to a bachelor with you've never met anyone <laughs> and it's like whatever it was, 20 people and just doing bowling and dinner and then just like going out to a club. Like I'm like, I don't want to do that with people I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. This guy's just a different, a different style of dude. Well, but also though, to your point of like hearing that story and hearing you just t- retell it now, though, of oh, that's why everybody on that show loves him so much because that's just who he is. No, you can tell in on the challenge that like there people are really pulling for him to get his win. Like yeah, a yeah. lot of those competitors will be like you know basically mention him as like their actual friend on the show. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's cool. He 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 seems like a really good dude. Yeah, and it's it does say something though that they're actually openly pulling for him on that show when I mean even the season there are so many oh we're real friends outside of this game and then somebody just being fucked over like it's nothing yeah and ending yeah. friendships one person in particular multiple friendships and but the fact that that's that transcends that really speaks to how like what a nice affable guy he is yeah for sure I do want to ask you too that one uh, one thing that was mentioned on a recent episode of Action Boys was that you're we're reading, or maybe are reading, Charlie Kaufman's novel, Ant Kind. Yes, I finished it uh, last week, I think. Okay, because I'm on, well, I don't know how far into the book I am. I'm on I'm on chapter, like, 27, but there are literally 90 chapters. Yeah. So, ways to go. But that said, it's the hardest I've ever laughed reading a novel. I, yeah, it's insanely long. Obviously, I, I guess maybe I have some problems with it but it is the funniest book i've read certainly in a very very long time and i talked to ben rogers about it and he was saying something i agreed with which is it's maybe the first piece of like written or produced work that is funny to me in the same way that like a great long form improv show is like you know, when I first found UCB and was going along from it was like this, you know, th- that was the funniest thing in the world to me, the hardest I laughed. And he does, Kaufman in the book has a lot of seemingly crazy, like random specifics that come out where you're like, yeah, were yeah. you riffing this novel? <laughs> like, were you, lit- yeah. but also in the same way that happens with good improv, sometimes something will be a totally random specific but then it will get looped back around and become important and become a pattern throughout. Yeah. And you go like, wow, I don't, maybe that is what he did was like just shot a bunch of like crazy random stuff out at points that made him really laugh. And then was like, okay, how do I, you know, weave this into the fabric of, of the story I'm telling. And uh, I mean, I had to give over pretty quickly with the book that I was not going to be able to follow it and understand yeah, yeah where in space and time I was always because the timeline is 
bananas and there's multiple realities and there's, you know, at some points there's like different versions of the narrator and you're switching, you're in the head of another version of him, but then you go back. Like, it's really, um, I, I think I was struggling at first being like, I have to keep track of this. I have to follow it. And then yeah, when I, I kind of let go and just let gravity take over, I started just finding it to be like page by page. So, so funny. It's, um, it's unbelievably funny, but yeah, I did the same thing too, especially initially where I, I don't know, I guess I was resistant to, to it in that I wasn't succumbing to whatever I was about to read because I was trying to kind of keep all these plates spinning of, okay, this is happening there, that, 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 that. And it's not only just as a book, incredibly dense. I mean, it's 700 plus pages, but then there's so much happening in a very short amount of time reading that book. So, so I yes. just kind of like gave up trying to, to remember that, but I've laughed out loud like constantly. It's so fun. Like genuinely laughed out loud. It's so funny. Yeah. Did you get to the, the section where he's like <laughs> talking about the show Friends? Have you hit that? No, not yet. Is it a complete like just breakdown of what the show is or what? No, it's it's not. It's just that the narrator um, is like going through a difficult time and like his comfort is that he starts watching the show Friends <laughs> a, a lot. But then his like his description of what he's watching doesn't match up with what Friends <laughs> is. And it, it's just it's a it's like a two page part where he's telling his buddy like i've been watching a lot of friends lately and then when he's describing what happens in the show and and the characters it's like this is not <laughs> you're not watching friends i don't know what you're watching <laughs> like but it's the in those two pages like the number of times it like turns back on what it is or like the specifics that you get of what he is watching but like it's so so funny like it's like one of the like just funniest two pages of anything i've ever read i really liked it it's funny that with him, I'm so used to like the the Charlie Kaufman that is the writer of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, an adaptation, and Schenectady, New York, which is an incredible film that makes me so depressed anytime I've watched it. Yeah. Genuinely depressed. But it's so impressive as a film and just a piece of writing that I forget, oh yeah, he was one of the writers on that amazing like murderer's row of writers and performers on the Dana Carvey sketch show. Dana Carvey, he was, a writer. He was Get a Life, he, you know. He, Ned and Stacy he wrote on. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he was a legit uh, comedy writer and it's, 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 it was a fun book to read. It's totally insane. Uh, and yeah, it's, I don't, I don't even know, but I just had to like let go. It actually made me, I was just talking to my, friend my, my boss out here actually who just rewatched inherent vice which i'm like a huge huge fan of paul thomas anderson's movies same, same here. that was the one that i probably when i saw it in the theater i was so hyped for it that i left <laughs> a little bit disappointed and I, he was just telling me he's like i would bet and i think he's right he's like i bet you were like really trying to follow the mystery and like the case which is impossible yeah, and yes. having read ant kind i'm like yeah that's right i have to go back and rewatch that movie with the same attitude that i uh approached this book with and go scene by scene the movie's awesome and there were uh, hilarious and great um you know scenes and performances and things about the movie that i liked 
But I, more so than anything else of his, I kind of walked out being like, I don't know. I think I like didn't get it or like, I, <laughs> I need to watch it again. Or I just felt a little bit let down. And um, the way he was describing like how he enjoyed it, just watching it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That's what I did with Ant Kind. And it, it just freed me up to be like, I don't have to totally understand every detail or retain like what everyone's relationship is. That's not you know or maybe someone can do that but i'm not smart enough and if i just take it on piece by piece i can really enjoy it see that's the same way like i rewatched that movie maybe six months ago and i went into it with the the thought of focus less on the details so i can maybe enjoy the moments instead of that yeah and it's a it's i mean it's that thing where when i watched that movie the first time i'm like yeah i don't know what happened but it's so he's just he's a, a master filmmaker. Like he's unbelievable. He's the greatest. He does. No, he creates. He, really he, he creates like the writing's always incredible. He gets the best performances. He he creates these like moods and everything. Like it's so. It's I was like, you know, I, when I don't like something that he has made, like, and I even dislike Inherent Vice. But when I'm like let down, I I do I absolutely give the benefit of the doubt and go. I missed something. Like yes. I did something wrong because this person is so good. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and generally, that's that's always been the case. But I, um, but I just think, yeah, there's maybe some similarities between those two things. Where it's like, I'm sure Kaufman has a clear idea of what Ant Kind is and what that story is and what it was saying and how how everything tied together. I I wasn't able to experience that. <laughs> because my <laughs> my brain's not big enough, but I was able to really enjoy it by letting go of that, and I think I need to do the same thing with that movie. I'm I'm think we'll probably rewatch it this week. Yeah, it's man, it's so good. And I rewatched because I hadn't watched it in years. I mean, his first movie, Part Eight. Yeah, I watched that uh, not that long ago too. I, but rewatching it through the prism of of now, you know, having seen every movie he's made that's out, and the, and the fact that it's his first movie, I was almost like. Oh fuck you! Like it's so good and such a taut, well-made film that so many filmmakers, if not most filmmakers, would love to have that as part of their filmography. And that was his first try. Yeah, very, that was his one where he like felt like he got screwed because he didn't have final cut and stuff. And he's <laughs> like, "This isn't what I wanted it to be." And it's like, "Oh, but it it, it kicks ass." <laughs> And obviously, like one of the most memorable parts, and kind of speaks to maybe like the not that they required each other, but the like the mutual alchemy of him and his relationship with Philip Seymour Hoffman, and just his Philip Seymour Hoffman's two two and a half minute yes. scene where he's improving all of his lines and playing, I think, craps the entire time. Yeah, and it's just it's it's electric. I mean, I that guy one of the greatest scenes. Amazing. It's so good. Yeah, I say that in like I always say just as some kind of like place marker for my favorite movie. Either that I say either There Will Be Bloods is my favorite movie or MacGruber is my favorite movie. Oh yeah, both and, two, and, um, two great ones. <laughs> oh, by the way, I just um, saw uh, the new movie that's the Kristen Wiig movie that just came out. Barb and Star. Yeah, go to Vista Del Mar. It's probably the hardest I've laughed maybe since MacGruber because it's oh, really? the most. Oh great! It, it's committed silliness. On a very similar level. It's so funny. Awesome. I haven't checked it out yet, but um, uh, I'll watch it. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, one, <laughs> one last thing that I was curious about. This is something that it was discussed in the last episode of Flagrant Ones, but it was regarding the quote-unquote humor of Utah Jazz shooting guard Joe Ingles. Uh-huh. And, and I say, 
humor in air quotes because basically his humor is like he's just don't do this brandon we got a we got a lot of shit for this people really got in our comments to defend joe Ingalls. did you really (laughs) is that people really were like you got (laughs) there was one comment i'm gonna read it for you i mean i shouldn't bring it up on the flagrant ones because i don't want to like bait people but someone wrote something that i i really initially thought was sarcastic i'm sorry i cut you off in your question too but um, I thought it was possibly sarcastic, but as I read it more and more, I go, no, this is just the product of a truly demented mind. Okay. And so they wrote, the, for context for people, we there's uh, a guy who's, we played a video of everyone on the Utah Jazz saying that Joe Ingalls was the funniest. And there are a bunch of videos of people going like, Joe Ingalls, funniest moments. He's considered like the funny guy in the NBA. And, um, and I, I disagree. Um, so... <laughs> this person wrote, nothing gets comedians more upset than a funny jock. Uh, sorry he wasn't good enough to make your Herald roster, fuckos. Joe is a god. <laughs> that's, whew, that's a lot to unpack. You think I'm mad that he's a funny, like, you think, you think I'm like... God, this awesome jock is also funny. And then they're like, sorry, he wasn't funny enough to make your Herald team. So it's like, you sort of agree with me that he's not funny <laughs> by any kind of comedic standard that you would apply to someone who wasn't playing basketball. So it's just like, oh, God. Even on a base level, though, like his humor is no butt comedy anyway. Like it's all negating everything. It's just, it's like really light, like just like chop busting stuff where (laughs) it's like, um, I mean, we did a bunch of examples on the show where it was like, ask me a really simple question and then I'll just somehow insult you where it's like, you know, uh, you know, so Brandon asked me how my day is going. Hey, Sean, how's your day going? Not going to tell you. It's just like that's that's the shit. Like they there's there's a bunch of clips like that. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of stuff that almost boils down to like I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) It's it's not that far off, but it almost feels like that people cite him as funny because he like says it in a funny tone. But then Mm -hmm. when you think about it for two seconds, like what what are you what? Yeah, he has this sort of mischievous twinkle in his eye when he does it like it's you know it's fine it's totally fine (laughs) well i yeah that's wild i obviously i didn't see that comment and nor would have ever anticipated that there were a handful of people who were upset that we went after joe angles and were like you know i usually like these guys but (laughs) you don't come for joe and it's like okay even if you're a jazz fan, it's like, we're all, this guy's funny? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he is. I, I'm certainly, it's entirely possible that he's funny and that I'm not. That's, you know, totally, <laughs> that's on the table for me. Yeah, I like that you're cutting down this guy who is so successful and doing fine, if not <laughs> very well. Like, how dare you punch up, I guess, technically? Like, yeah. This guy's doing I think so he's well. doing better than me, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like he's so much better than me, but I still hear whatever his uh his quips are, and I'm like, what is what is this? I I don't really understand. But I mean, now I'm gonna get taken down, so that's fine. yeah. I mean, you're just you've been warned. Oh, you man. don't want to touch that third rail, the Joe Ingalls sense of humor. <laughs> that's that's a hot zone, man. I guess I'm gonna be taken down and and or canceled Ingalls style. 
Well, it's been a blast. I mean, it was nice talking to you. I obviously yeah. have to disavow any <laughs> any association with you. So that's fair. I'm all uh, best start this episode with a warning and a deep, sincere apology, just to make sure I get my bases covered. Get the note. Get get the note written on your the iPhone Notes app. Yeah, ready to be posted. I guess all this is to say, you know, thank you for being on the final episode of this show. Oh, thanks for Since having me. I, yeah, I think it's over. Sorry, point, I ended it. Hey, it's over. This is just life now. But uh, I uh, I don't want to take up too much of time anyway. What all do you want to point people toward before we wrap it up? Oh, I guess um, you know, go to our Patreon. There's uh, uh, it's called um. And what it's at patreon.com slash the flagrant ones. Uh, we do a show about basketball called the flagrant ones. We do a show called Hollywood handbook. That is sort of a satirical showbiz, uh, or it was at least, um, a satirical showbiz show. Now it's just kind of Hayes and I doing these characters who are like jealous of our guests. And then, um, uh, there's a show on there called Carl calls his cousin that, one of the flagrant ones host does that is uh i find very enjoyable so there's a bunch of stuff there if you guys want to go and subscribe to that that would be great i um i guess this show that i'm working on will come out in june if people want to watch that it's going to be on amc it's called kevin can fuck himself (laughs) oh nice uh yeah it's uh it's really it's uh, I I think it's gonna be interesting. Um, Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek is the lead of the show. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, it's been it's been fun to work on. It's a really weird, uh, different kind of project. And um, yeah, you might even see a familiar face pop up in one or two of the episodes. So wow. And, is this, uh, and I mean me. An, okay. Well, that's really exciting. Like AMC, um, Lodge 49, it was just on AMC, is a show that I really liked. So I'm really intrigued by what they're doing now. Yeah. So the creator of this show, uh, a woman named Valerie Armstrong, who's really uh, awesome and, and nice and super talented, uh, w- was working on Lodge 49 and then oh, okay. um, and sent this script to AMC and it, it became this show. So... Um, Happy to hear you like that too. Maybe maybe you'll like both shows. That's very exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you again for being on. This was great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you everybody for listening. Take care. Wear a mask. Stay safe. Lead with empathy. Etc. Thank you again. Bye.